0: One of the things that we've seen that has caught on maybe even more strongly in Latin America has been this evolution of what I'll call Act Two fintechs. Companies that start off looking like something entirely different. How do you buy a car or how do you find an apartment? You actually have to solve a much bigger problem that includes how do you help someone finance that because there aren't great options from the bank. So we're just seeing more and more companies that are solving a wide breadth of problems than I think is necessary in more developed ecosystems.
1: hi everyone it's julie Verhage greenberg here with your tux time podcast from fintech today where we talk about all things fintech in this episode i am joined by lauren morton a partner at qed investors which has done a lot of investing in the fintech space and somewhat more recently they've been getting even more involved in the latin american market and that is where lauren specializes so i'm super excited to have her on uh, we've talked about a bunch of the Latin American companies in the newsletter. And I, I told her leading up to this podcast that 20 minutes is not going to feel like enough. So we got a lot to dive into Lauren. Excellent. Yeah. I'm
0: looking forward to it. Thanks, Julie.
1: QED, getting into Latin America, what was sort of the the thesis that you guys had? And you, you've invested in a lot of really big companies now down there, like NewBank was one of your first investments. And I'm pretty sure 90% plus of the people on this newsletter have heard about NewBank and know that they are just <laughs> growing like crazy out there. Yes, you're right. You uh, you have hit the nail on the
0: head. NewBank was the first investment that we made in Latin America uh, several years before I joined the fund. So I joined QED about two and a half years ago to focus in Latin America. Uh, but really, QED's journey began back in 2014, 2015, when we uh, were part of New Bank Series A uh, and had known David Velez, Nigel, and Frank at the time, who are both managing partners at uh, QED, Nigel being kind of the founder of, of the team. Uh, and were taken by him, uh, didn't know the market, uh, but believed that there was an opportunity to use some of what they had learned at Capital One uh, and through other fintechs in the U.S. to uh, support what he was trying to do and learn and felt like this was going to be taking a bet both on the founder and the market. And I think we're, we're incredibly grateful that we did. Uh, now looking back 30 investments plus
1: and uh, six years later. How many people uh, at QED are focused on Latin American with you? And I know that like Frank isn't focused on it, but he does like help make some investments or do some due diligence there. So it's it's probably somewhat tricky to answer. But <laughs> yeah,
0: well, the whole team is involved in all of our investment Decisions globally, so uh, we all get to look at all of the companies that we ultimately invest in and help support uh, their growth along the way. Uh, but there's three of us full time, uh, and then Bill Salufo, who leads our international investment, who spends part of his time in Latin America as well. We're also actively looking for uh, a new principal to continue to grow the team. I think very much showing how kind of bullish we are on the region and invested. Uh, in continuing to, to do more.
1: In Latin America, um, has, have things been moving faster or slower than what you expected? And sort of talk to me a little bit about how the investment thesis that you guys went in with is sort of playing out. Yeah,
0: I think, uh, you know, it was interesting because we're a global fund, we got to see kind of the pace of investing in uh, change in the U.S. over the last 18 months first Uh, and maybe two or three months after that, uh, we saw the exact same thing happening in Latin America where the pace of deals has just grown increasingly frenetic um, as we've all been home and companies have been built and been growing. Uh, I think really on the heels of much more use of financial payments uh, e-commerce and just the region accelerating its growth in fintech, um, which is both exciting and a little kind of scary as we try to keep up. Um, but but overall, we've been really excited about what we're seeing in the region and that potential um, to continue to see fintech grow and evolve. In terms of our thesis, you know, I think we started very much with a page out of the Capital One playbook, which is you know, very, which is what the background that many of us have at the fund. Um, where NewBank was a credit card company, and the thesis was very much core lending uh, and traditional fintech, uh, I think what has changed over the last five to six years is we've increasingly seen uh, the number of applications of fintech increase, uh, from prop tech companies to car financing companies to we recently invested in a logistics, uh, trucking and trade finance business called Nouveau Cargo. Um, so more and more, I think we, we both continue to believe in the core consumer fintech thesis, but also see many more opportunities to expand beyond that.
1: So for someone that is less familiar with Latin America, what are some of the super exciting things going on there right now? And how does that differ from what's going on in other parts of the world, in the U.S. in particular?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are some similarities, but I would say one of the things that we've seen that has caught on maybe even more strongly in Latin America has been this evolution of what I'll call kind of act two fintechs which are companies that start off looking like something entirely different. And I think Kintoandar Andar uh, is a great example in our portfolio, Kavik is another, where they're building a rental uh, platform or a kind of car sales platform, and realize that while they're trying to solve that problem, how do you buy a car or how do you find an apartment? You actually have to solve a much bigger problem that includes how do you help someone finance that? Because there aren't great options from the bank, Uh, And how do you kind of enable the payments behind those transactions? So we're just seeing more and more companies that are solving a wide breadth of problems uh, than I think is necessary in more developed ecosystems.
1: Based off of that, what sectors in Latin America are you guys most excited about? Like, where is there, you know, so much potential for innovation versus some other areas? Because like you said, the banking system there looks so much different than what it does in the U.S., Um, I mean, we've seen just an explosion in
0: prop tech uh, and helping uh, consumers find ways to buy houses, to rent apartments. Uh, So much of the things we take for granted in the U.S., even things like Zillow or or MLS, where you can go online and look for your house and see the value of it or a house you want to buy, just don't exist in Latin America. And there's so much more friction uh, in big transactions like that. Uh, We also don't see nearly as many people who are kind of within the traditional banking system. Uh, So Mm -hmm. most people don't have credit scores. uh, They don't necessarily have, you know, even a bank account. And so I think we, we also have seen an increase in the number of companies trying to offer consumer financial products and debit products in different ways to people who typically hadn't had access to banking in the past. Uh, And I think one of the other themes we've started to see more and more uh, accelerate is insure tech. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. much of Latin America doesn't have insurance, uh, whether that's medical or car uh, or kind of other life insurance. Uh, And we've seen that over the last several years, I think, as more and more of a middle class is emerging, really begin to find product market fit and consumers looking for these types of products. Uh, which is great in terms of seeing a safety net beginning to be built uh, across the region.
1: This may be a silly question, but in the U.S., we talk a lot about like millennials and Gen Z and how they're changing consumer financial preferences and everything. Is that same thing playing out in Latin America, or is that more a U.S.-based thing?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the things that was interesting for me as I started getting more involved in the region is how much of a impact and present social media and influencers have in consumer decision-making, and much of that is in the millennial population. Uh, And so I think we're seeing uh, different types of acquisition strategies to go after Gen Z and millennial. Uh, We're certainly seeing an increase, too, in wealth tech and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, which I think is being driven by those populations interested in investing and thinking about the future Uh, which is another area we've made several bets in. Uh, One is a company called Warren in the U.S., uh, or in Brazil, uh, that is really trying to be a wealth manager uh, and version of Robinhood plus Charles Schwab uh, for Brazilian (laughs) investors. Uh, And then Bitso, of course, in in Mexico, which is offering a number of different uh, financial services on top top of uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain rails.
1: How do you reach this market? And I ask just because one of your U.S. portfolio companies current uses influencers and YouTubers and whatnot a lot to reach some of the younger audience which they're geared towards. Is it the same thing in Latin America? Because I know, like, I feel like Instagram and all this stuff is very big in Brazil in particular. So I would assume that it's the same thing, but I could be totally wrong there too.
0: Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I think we see more and more education coming through, uh, you know, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or some other influencer channel. Um, but, you know, those types of personalities and celebrities have a pretty incredible impact. It actually, NewBank uh, recently added uh, a female celebrity uh, musician to their That's board. Right. I think, you know, very much along the lines of seeing an opportunity to help drive more uh, connection with the Gen Z population.
1: Is that population super interested in everything like trading, NFTs, like all this stuff that we've been talking a lot about in um in the U.S. market lately? Or are they geared towards other types of financial services where they're just focused on, you know, getting a cool bank account, for instance?
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The wealth tech is and wealth investing opportunities are really, I believe, at a tipping point. Uh, and this is the population, the younger generation, that's very much interested, especially in Brazil, from what we've seen. But it's still very early. Something like 2 to 3% of Brazilian population owns stocks, which is kind of a crazy stat when you think about kind of where we are in the U.S. in terms of our comfort with buying, selling, trading stocks, or even index funds. Um, that is starting to change, but there's a big education component and comfort level Uh, as people begin to think about moving their money in different ways. Um, And I I think we're just beginning to see uh, those types of trends take off.
1: Something we haven't touched on, and it's such a huge part of fintech, is regulation. What does the regulatory market look there, and how does it differ from some of the other markets that you guys invest in?
0: Yeah, you know, it's so different country by country. I mean, as most things are when you look at a region as diverse as Latin America – Uh, Brazil has had a pretty incredible uh, track record in terms of leaning in to uh, more innovative regulation. Uh, They recently passed uh, legislation that enabled digital payments called PICS uh, through the national banking system. Uh, They have a much more innovative, I think, regulatory strategy for open banking. Uh, and actually enabling payments to be pushed through those types of government-directed rails than even we do in the U.S. Um, And so that has really lit a fire behind financial innovation and businesses who are being built uh, now thinking about how to take advantage of some of these changes uh, as they come to pass. Uh, I think we've seen less of that kind of leaning in to financial innovation and other parts of Latin America, um, but obviously are spending a lot of time kind of both talking to entrepreneurs and with regulators as well to understand how we think Mexico and other countries will, will follow.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that'll be something that we will want to keep a really close eye on. Um, One other thing that's happened, you guys were early in Latin America, but now a lot of other funds have started investing in the region and even like dedicating funds in and of itself to the region. How has that played a role in the investing market there? I, I ask because in the U.S., you know, we have these seed rounds that are crazy valuations and crazy amounts and everything. Is the same thing playing out there? Yeah, I mean, I think we are seeing a lot more activity
0: from international funds than we did even two and a half years ago when I joined QED. Um, A lot of that is very healthy uh, and bringing better investors, more capital to the market also brings better entrepreneurs who are thinking kind of more strategically about the businesses they want to build. So I think there's kind of a holistic maturity that has come to the market. Uh, which is a combination. It's hard to know kind of which came first, but a combination of (laughs) more sophisticated investors and at the same time uh, more entrepreneurs with experience and just pretty incredible ambition. Uh, But we're certainly seeing the same thing I think we're seeing in the U.S. in terms of valuations increasing, the opportunities increasing, the pace of growth. I mean, it's all related. It's not just valuations increasing. We're also seeing businesses grow it much faster rates than, than we did even a few years ago.
1: Are there certain um, stages or sectors of fintech in Latin America that are the most competitive right now? Um, you know, I think we've seen an incredible uh,
0: acceleration in later stage rounds. Uh, and that's, you know, also true in the U.S. But as we see bigger investors, you know, SoftBank, Tiger, D1, some some wonderful investors, but people who write bigger checks, spending more time in Latin America, I think those stages have increased in both velocity and size. Uh, We're certainly seeing it at the earlier stage too, but it's probably most noticeable as we get into the C, D plus rounds.
1: Have we seen any sort of like M&A activity in the region? In some spaces, both Africa, the US, Europe, we've seen a lot of not only startups acquiring other startups, but traditional banks making acquisitions, tech companies making acquisitions. Is that happening too? Yes, absolutely. I think...
0: Uh, you know, some of that is also driven by the capital coming into the market. There's more money, and so more opportunities for acquisitions. I think we've seen less in Latin America in terms of traditional banks being interested, ready to kind of go out and start acquiring fintechs. Uh, but we've certainly seen, you know, companies like New Bank Um, As one example, begin to to go through a number of different acquisitions, as well as Loft and Quinto Andar, who both announced uh, pretty big acquisitions in the prop tech space recently. Um, So I certainly think we're going to see that. We're going to see it more. Uh, And some of it is adding different capabilities. I think we're also seeing acquisitions that are taking companies cross-country, which is a new trend as well as, you know, up until... Probably a couple of years ago, most companies were scaling in Mexico or Brazil or Chile or kind of pick your country, but mostly kind of Mexico and Brazil. Uh, we're now seeing more and more companies go cross-border. Uh, and one of the ways to do that is by acquiring kind of similar-minded
1: businesses in other regions. What about going public? Um, is, that, is the pace of that picking up and is it more so like the traditional IPO or are there ways to do a SPAC or direct listing in the region as well?
0: Yeah, we're seeing both happen. Um, and I do think we'll see more IPOs. I think we'll see more IPOs in 2022 than we did in 2021. Um, and we've also seen several SPACs this year and I expect that trend to continue as well. Um, but it's exciting to begin to to really see some of these businesses that have grown over the last ten years get to the point where IPOing both regionally and you know, more and more in the U.S. Uh, is a real option, and I think uh, that's only good for the ecosystem too.
1: If someone's looking to learn more about what's going on in Latin America, like where are the, where's the best place to really start at this point? You know, just getting up to date on the region. Yeah,
0: I mean, we spend a lot of time talking to people in the region. Um, and you know there's obviously a wonderful a set of kind of great resources on Google and kind of reading the news. But you know our what I have found is it's best to actually get to know people who, who live there and, and breathe it every day. Um, and so that's usually my recommendation to anyone interested in the region is to really start building your network. Uh, of either investors, founders, or just interested people who, who live in you know, Mexico, Brazil, or any other country you're interested in. And that, that's really where I think you get kind of the richest context and best insight.
1: Do you find that the, um, the founder profile there is a little bit more diverse than what it has traditionally been in some of the other regions? Or is it still very much typically like a, a white male?
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing more and more founders that are local who kind of grew up in Sao Paulo, maybe came to the U.S. and went to school or worked at a consulting company and came back uh, and founded a company versus people coming from outside of the region entirely and trying to build a business uh, who, who didn't grow up there. So I think that has probably been the biggest trend I've seen and noticed in kind of the change in founders, um, but I think we'll continue to see more and more diversity. There are certainly active groups and uh, you know, seeing more female investors as well as more female uh, entrepreneurs, which is awesome to see. We have two in our portfolio um, and, and are obviously always looking for more diversity there too.
1: Awesome. Well, Lauren, if anyone wants to get in touch with you to ask questions about the region, maybe there's a founder in the region that wants to talk to you, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, I think, you know, email and LinkedIn are always great channels. Um, but you can find me at Lauren at QEDinvestors.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lauren. We'll have to have you back on again as things keep developing in the region. Uh, if anyone is listening to this and wants to stay up to date on everything FinTech, both LATAM and in other countries, follow us at fintechtoday.co. We have a newsletter. Otherwise, thank you, Lauren. This was great. Awesome. Thanks, Julie.